Today we start a new sermon series, Burn, talking about relational conflict, which none of us have ever experienced that before, right? Uh, what I find fascinating about relational conflict is you would think that we would spend more time learning how to work through relational conflict. Like that there would be someone that taught you or walked beside you about how to do that. You would think that it'd be in the schools. I started thinking about like school and you know, as you're a young kid, you ask this question, like, do I really need to learn this in life? What I'm learning right now? And for some of your jobs, like, yes, you learned those specific things for life. But for the most part, isn't it true when kids ask that question, it's like, man, am I ever going to use this again in life? I started thinking about the classes that were most impactful for me growing up. And I started thinking about um, home ec. Anybody take home ec growing up? Yeah, like that was helpful, right? And then the other class I thought about that was super helpful was government, senior year government. Like that was, I was helpful, right? And, uh, and then honestly, like I had a phenomenal economics teacher. And that economics teacher taught me a lot. And I even got the opportunity later on after high school to go up to him and say, I just want to tell you, your class was so helpful for me. Like I've made so many different decisions that I would have made contrary if it weren't for you. And he actually got emotional because I think a lot of times teachers may think, man, am I doing, does it really even matter, right? But I don't ever remember in high school, I don't ever remember in high school doing conflict resolution class, right? Like, I don't ever remember that class. And honestly, I think we need it. And honestly, for a lot of you, like, when it comes to conflict resolution, you didn't even learn it in your family. You look back and you go, man, my, my family's horrible at this. And I'm kind of surprised that there's so many of you here on 4th of July on this sermon that are here this morning. And maybe it's because you've got a barbecue you've got to get ready for tonight, right? With all your family, with all your neighbors, and you're going, man, I've got to figure this out. Well, conflict is a major part of life. You guys agree? Like, we have to figure this out, especially if we claim to be followers of Jesus. If we claim to be followers of Jesus, we've got to figure this out. All the law and the prophets, all of it, Jesus says all of the Bible can be summarized by love God and love others. And if we're not able to work through conflict, we've got to figure out how to do that well. If you guys aren't able to figure out the mic, I'll just do the handheld this morning if that works. So how do we work through conflict? How do we figure out what it looks like to work? Do you understand, do you know that if you're able to work through conflict well, the Lord actually calls you blessed? That if you're willing to work through peace, work through conflict and get to peace, you're called blessed. Matthew chapter 5. 
is the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is starting his ministry and he's starting to preach to the masses and he's starting to talk to the masses to let them understand this reality that my kingdom, the way I go about doing things is drastically different than the rest of the world. And he's beginning the process of turning their life, their, their thought process upside down when it comes to what it means to be a follower of him, a follower of his kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers this morning. Peacemakers. Now, some of you right now are thinking that peacemakers means peacekeeping. And there is a big difference between those two. Not peacekeeping, peacemaking. Peacemaking is not avoiding conflict. Oh, let's just not talk about it. Let's not deal with it. That's not peacemaking. That's peacekeeping. Another idea might be, well, uh, I'll just give them what they want to appease somebody. That's not peacemaking. That's peacekeeping. Maybe, maybe they were trying to do this, or maybe they were trying to do that. It's okay that they acted that way. It's okay that I reacted that way. No, marginalizing, that's not peacemaking. That's peacekeeping. What does peacemaking actually look like? And if we are willing to lean into learning how to work through conflict, Jesus calls us blessed. If we're willing to be peacemakers, what does this actually look like? Here's what's fascinating. Jesus just throws that statement in amongst a lot of other statements in the Sermon on the Mount about what it means to be blessed and to be a part of his kingdom in a blessing way. Thank you, Joe. And the other thing that we have to ask ourselves is this, is what does it then mean to really live this out? And Jesus gives us the answer later on in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, he said this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, verse 21, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Powerful statement, right? If you're angry with a brother or sister, you're going to be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Racha, is answerable to the court. What does that mean? It means you're looking to a brother or sister and you say, you're worthless. It's contempt. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. These are, these are words that should cause us to go, am I in this place? Do I have this mindset towards someone? Do I struggle with maybe some of these emotions with somebody? And if so, it should cause us to have pause. Now, if you're in the room right now and you're going, well, I'm not in that place, but I know that person thinks that about me. They've got some work they need to do. They need to work through whatever they're working through. I mean, I'm fine. I mean, I'm not the one offended. They're the ones offended. And everybody's offended nowadays. You notice everybody's always getting offended. They need to not be so sensitive. If that's where you're at right now, we should keep on reading. <laughs> Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Whether you are the offended or the offender, 
you have a responsibility in answering to Jesus to go and reconcile the relationship. We just got done with a sermon series on worship and talking about the reverence and awe that we're supposed to give to God in our worship. And by the way, you guys, man, there's nothing more moving as God speaks and works through you when you are singing louder than the worship team this morning. I mean, that's reverence and awe. That's like, God, I'm giving you all of my worship this morning, and God loves that. Here's the thing. Do you check it? Did you notice it? If you have broken relationship, that reverence and awe scene that you just gave, God's like, I don't really care about it. I don't care. The gift of worship, the gift of offering of your finances, the gift of whatever. God says, if you've got odd, if you are wrestling with someone relationally, or you know someone's wrestling with you relationally, leave. Go be reconciled. I care more about relationship than what you're doing right now. And if you have broken relationship, God's asking you to go and restore. Why? Because conflict messes up your life. The constant pursuit of peacemaking requires us to do significant, courageous things. And it's a reflection of what God's done for you. He's done significant, courageous things for you to reconcile relationship with you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that, that broken relationship actually breaks up your fellowship with God. The Bible says that if you are married... And if you have broken relationship in your marriage, God can't even hear your prayers. God longs for us to work through conflict. How do we do that? How do we do that? For the rest of this morning, we're going to get really tactical. We're going to get really clear. And I'm hoping there's at least one thing that you can say, I need to get better at this. I need to go and do this. How do we do this? Matthew 18 talks about it. Matthew 18 is the conflict resolution passage. Jesus says this, if your brother or sister sins, if your brother or sister sins, sins against you, I'm not even going to take it a step further. I think the heart of this passage isn't even talking about sinning. You might, well, it wasn't really sin, but like our relationship isn't the same ever since. If you've got broken relationship, Matthew 18 is the passage for you to work through broken relationship. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. So Jesus says really plainly, you need to go and talk to them. And you need to go and talk to them in front of a bunch of people? Is that what it says? Go and talk to them. What's it say? Privately. One-on-one. -on -one. And if that doesn't go well, you bring other people in to help you guys work through it. And if that doesn't go well, you bring more people in and eventually you take it to the church. And if they're not willing to work through it, treat them as a tax collector. Now, obviously, when we read that passage, sometimes we think, oh, tax collectors, like, that means we've got to kick them out. Well, yeah, maybe. But didn't Jesus hang out with tax collectors? Didn't he try and reconcile tax collectors? And so, yes, they may be an outsider, but is your mindset, oh, I don't ever have to deal with them again. No, the, the mindset should be, yes, our relationship's broken. Yes, they're an outsider, but how do I continue to pursue? 
reconcile. Now, this is where it gets really funky, or really hard, I should say, is going and talking to them one on one. How do you do that? How do you do that well? How do you go and talk to someone in the midst of this conversation, this one-on-one conversation? Here's what I know well. Because I've messed it up a lot. And guess what? I still mess this up a lot. When you go and talk to someone, you can choose the path of the flesh, is what I call it. Which, actually, the path of the flesh, you actually never even go talk to them. The first one is this, you identify feelings, which you might be saying, oh, well, that's easy. For some of us, that's not easy. Because you grew up in a home where it was never, there was never freedom allowed to talk about how you were feeling, what you were wrestling with inside. But the ability to identify feelings, some of you don't even have vocabulary to know what you feel. You just feel so bunched up, right? But the path of the flesh is identify feelings, and usually it's anger. And the next step is you automatically assume ill intent. They are the enemy. I was wrestling with this this week, you guys. Does this person really have me and the other people involved? Do they have a a good intent or an ill intent? Wrestling through that. This is the path of the flesh. Automatically assume ill intent. You don't think the best about a person. Then cynicism, skepticism is what drives the thought process. I call this flesh stewing. Everybody do this? They don't have what's best intent for me. This is their intent. This is what they're doing. And I'm just gonna stew. Marinate. They are the enemy. Over and over and over and over again. I struggle with this. Anybody else? Okay, a couple of you that are honest, right? They don't have what's best in mind. Then vilifying, villainizing takes place, and sometimes, often, we go to other people. Can you believe what happened last week? This is what happened. This is what's going on. They are the enemy, and your friend then says, absolutely, they are the enemy. You are right, they are wrong, right? Vilifying, villainizing. The fruit of this is unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, and anger. And this is what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks, is how do you begin to recognize when unforgiveness, bitterness, anger begins to take place in your heart? And you've heard this statement, just let time go by. After all, time heals all. That's not true. If you've got a wound, if you've got brokenness in relationship, does the doctor say, ah, don't worry about that? If you've got cancer, does the doctor say, ah, don't worry about it. Just let some time go by. It'll take care of itself. That doesn't happen, right? What does it do? If you don't deal with cancer, what happens? It grows. But this is how we've been taught, or maybe been modeled, or how we think we should work through conflict. Proverbs 6 says this, verse 16. 
There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and this last one, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God hates relational brokenness. He hates division. He hates when his children don't get along. How many of you guys are parents this morning? Do you love it when your kids fight? You hate it. You hate it, especially when it's not like little kids that are like fighting, but I'm talking like real division, right? It breaks your heart. It breaks God's heart when he sees his kids not work through conflict. So Matthew 18, Jesus calls us to go and have a conversation We've talked about the path of the flesh. What about the path of relationship? What does that look like? Step one, you identify feelings. But instead of just automatically assuming ill intent and identifying the feelings of understanding what is my unmet or unclear expectations, what's the clear hurt, what's the longing that you have? Because whatever you've experienced, there's something that you long for that's more. There's something that, that, that's, why is this a wound? Why is this bothering me? What is it that's going on inside of me that I actually have conflict with this other person? And are you willing to spend time figuring out that? Honestly, this takes sometimes a lot of time. And it requires you to probably move into step number two if you can't figure it out, and that's ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1 talks about it. Come to God and ask him for wisdom. Would you be willing to be a person that says, Lord, I need wisdom about this, this brokenness? Why is this a big deal to me? Why do I feel hurt? What is the longing that I have? What is it that I, I wish our relationship was? And would you be willing to come to them, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friend, whether it's an acquaintance, whatever it is, and say, this is what's going on inside of me. Matthew chapter 18, I'm coming to you, and this is what I can recognize, number one. Number two, ask godly friends for wisdom. You know, he's saying, well, isn't that, isn't that gossip? No, it's not gossip. Gossip means you go to talk to someone about someone because you're not willing to talk to someone. This is asking for wisdom. I have a situation, and I'm trying to be a peacemaker, and I don't know how to do that well right now. I'm trying to get to the root of why I feel this way, and I don't know if I can identify it. Can you help me identify it? Can you help me understand, am I being too sensitive? Is this wrong? Ask God for wisdom. Ask Godly friends for wisdom. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept discipline. At the end, you'll be counted among the wise. If you go and ask for wisdom from friends, you're going to be a wise person. Surround yourself with godly, mature people who have the ability to identify some of these things and help equip you for the conversation. Would you surround yourself with people that'll actually walk beside you in the path of relationship? Would you surround yourself with people that I, what I call in the midst of this conversation, would you be willing to surround yourself with people that are gonna body check you at times? You know what body checking is? Anybody watching hockey right now? Body checking is an actually 
what you do in hockey when you're blocking someone from going to a certain destination. And sometimes it's really violent. Have you noticed that? Like it is like up against the glass, boom, body check. And you go, that had to hurt, right? Do you have friends in your relationships that will body check you and at times speak to you where it's going to hurt? Or they will tell you the truth in love, even though you don't want to hear it. Will you have someone that'll say, hey, like, I think you're assuming way too much about what their intent was. Do you have that type of friend that will body check you? Or do you have friends that just tell you what you want to hear? When you have friends that will body check you and will speak the truth in love with you, and will work through this with you and surround yourself with wisdom, that, my friends, is priceless. And what I would say is what the church is really all about. Real relationship. Real love. Real truth. Step number four. Would you make the first move? Would you be willing to step into the conflict, to face it head on, to be courageous, whether you are the offended or the offender, and say, okay, I, I've prayed. I've identified where I'm at, what I'm struggling with. I've asked for wisdom from God. I've asked wisdom from friends. Now it's time to step into battle. Now is the time to step in and say, I'm not going to allow the enemy to capture my heart. I'm not going to allow the enemy to capture my thought process, to capture my, even my actions. I'm now going to step in and have a conversation and try and restore relationship. I'm going to be a peacemaker. Why don't we do this? Why don't you do it? Tell me why you don't do it. It's hard. And what do you... What's, what's, what's the emotion that maybe you feel? Fear. Exactly. Fear. Because when you make the first move, it takes a tremendous amount of courage. And some of you have tried this before, and it didn't go well. You've made the first move. You've been courageous. You've stepped in, and it hasn't gone well. For some of us, when it comes to conflict usually live in one of two places. And I love this illustration. One of you responds to conflict and responds to this conversation of working through conflict in one of two ways. You're either a skunk or you're a turtle. The skunks let everybody know they're upset and they stink up the whole room. Right? Turtles, you retreat in your shell and you go do something else, right? How many of you guys are skunks in the room? Be honest, it's okay. I'm a skunk. How many of you guys are turtles? Wow, a lot of you. Guess what? Skunks marry turtles. Did you know that? It's true. Whether you're a skunk or a turtle, it doesn't really matter. What matters is, would you be willing to trust Jesus' words? Go and talk to him. Go talk to him. Don't let fear dictate what you're going to do. God says, I didn't give you a spirit of timidness, of fear. I gave you a spirit of power. So go be a peacemaker. And when you go and you talk to someone, step number five, 
Clearly communicate your perspective of brokenness. Clearly communicate what's going on inside of you. Take ownership of what's wrong with you and what's going on inside of you. And all of our home groups have this guideline. What's the guideline? Use what? I statements, I language. Talk about you. Talk about what's going on inside of you. Talk about what you're wrestling with. Would you be willing to have the, the, the humility, the maturity to walk through the conflict? Because the Bible talks about where conflict actually t- comes from. It comes from two things. Conflict comes from, number one, self-centeredness and selfishness. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? Remember we talked about flesh doing, right? Well, they do this. They do that. This is what they're trying to do. This is what's going on. Quarreling inside of you. Would you be willing to look at the situation, whatever it is, and go, what did you contribute to the situation? Here's the deal. Every single broken relationship, taking it a step further, more personal, every single divorce, it takes two to get married, What's going on inside of you? How did you contribute to the brokenness that you find yourself in in the relationship? And would you be willing to talk about that with the person that you're going to talk to? The brokenness that's going on inside of you. The conflict starts inside of every single one of us. Conflict starts inside of you. I love this quote by Rick Warren. He says, when I'm at peace inside, what's outside doesn't impact me. I'm learning to have more peace on I-84. Are you with me? Some of you are like, nope, not there. But seriously. Like I had someone body check me about why camp in the left lane. What was it? Selfishness. Righteousness. And I'm learning that's not my job. So when people drive crazy, it used to make me angry. And I'm learning to go, hurt people, hurt people. And there's a lot of hurt in this great community, phenomenal community. Guess what? People are angry. And people are hurt. What's going on inside of you? But when you're at peace with yourself, what's outside doesn't impact you. Number one, Bible says two things. Self-centeredness, selfishness is what causes fights within you. Number two, it's pride. Pride. Proverbs 13, 10. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. If you're willing to get wisdom, you're going to experience peace. But if you're not, you're going to experience strife. So talk about you. Talk about what's going on inside of you. Why there's conflict. What's going on inside of you? And then Number six, would you listen for their heart and their perspective? Would you listen to their perspective? After you've talked about you and what's going on inside of you, would you be willing to listen to their hurt, to their perspective, to what's going on inside of them? Would you mirror to them what you wish they would do for you? Because we all want to be heard, don't we? In fact, I would say a lot of conflict is actually tied to that. We long to be heard because we're human beings. We want to be heard. We want to be understood. And oftentimes, conflict is just that. Like, I don't feel like you really heard me. 
I don't feel like you really honored me or valued me. Would you be willing to mirror to them what you long for for yourself? Which is to be heard, which is to be understood, to listen to people's doubts, to listen to their fears, to listen to their experience. Because when you start to do that, when you listen to people, doubts, fears, and, and their experience, here's the thing. You begin to understand why they do what they do, why they did what they did. And when you listen and seek to understand people, seek to understand them, you're choosing to listen to them, you're choosing to serve them, ultimately you're choosing to love them. And guess what? When you do that, you are so close to what Jesus called us to. To put your mouth quiet and to engage these two things, your ears, you are showing them what it means to love people well. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Step number seven, speak the truth in love. Fix the problem, don't blame. Fix the problem, don't blame. Attack the issue, don't blame. When it comes to this idea, like there's lots of different things that we should be looking at when it comes to the conversation because obviously in this moment it's really important to listen to one another to value one another and to actually get to the root issue of what's going on but oftentimes in communication there's a bunch of obstacles that start coming up in this moment because asking the question what did you hear me say in conflict that should be a, a question that we should ask over and over and over and over again to the point where you're like I don't want to answer that question again right but you have to. We have to. Because in this moment is oftentimes when the enemy takes captive of the conversation. Oftentimes we revert back to the path of the flesh in the midst of this step. And we go back to Colossians 3, verse 8. Paul says, you must rid yourselves of all such things. Anger, rage, malice, which means to attack somebody. Slander and filthy language from your lips. Fix, speak the truth in love. Fix the problem. Don't blame. Look at the root. Ask yourself this question. What, what, what should I have done differently? What can I do differently? What will I do differently moving forward? And communicate that to the person. Get to the root of the problem. Don't blame. Lastly, step number eight. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Another way to put it this way, don't fight to be right. Fight for a relationship. Because even if you are owning your part and the other person isn't owning their part, guess what? That's not your job. Oftentimes in broken relationship, what we do is we actually get to resolution, which is like, I'm good, you're good. But the relationship is never the same. Ever been in that situation? And what I would argue is that is not what God has for you. And that is not what God has for his church. Oh, well, like we're good, but it's not really the same ever again. We've been called to be people of reconciliation where the relationship is reconciled. Well, we can be in a room together, but I won't ever trust that person ever again. Is that what Jesus called us to? Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you notice what it says there? God reconciled us to him. Do we have a relationship with God that's like, well, like, we're cordial in a room together, but I'm never going to trust God again. That's not how that goes, right? He reconciled you and you have relationship with him. And then it says this, Paul says, not only has God reconciled you to him and you have real relationship, he's now giving you what ministry? What's it say? The ministry of reconciliation, that you and I are to be people that are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. That you and I are to be the ones that go and make peace and bring reconciliation and bring re uh, reconciliation of relationship. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us, to you, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation to walk around and make sure that your relationships aren't broken. And if they are, you will do everything in your part to make amends for them, that you will do your part. We know that God is doing his part and we make sure the other person's doing their part. No, that's not how it goes, right? We don't do their part. You just do your part. You do to the best of your ability. And when you mess up, you ask for forgiveness from God. You ask for forgiveness from your friend, and you say, I'm going to try and do it right next time. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Hurt people, hurt people. God doesn't want his children hurting other children. He wants you to be free, free to love, free to serve, free to be a peacemaker. And guess what? As Christians, we should be the ones leading the way, showing the world what it means to make relationships right. We're called to be the best at this because we have a God who did it for us. He forgave us. He forgave you. And so we should be walking this out to the best of our ability. Guess what, you guys? You're not going to do it right the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. But by golly, after however many years, a little bit of progress, right? By the grace of God. This is what Jesus is inviting you into. And you notice eight steps. Was that a lot? It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's hard. But even though it's hard, it's nothing compared to what Jesus did for you and me. Nothing. As we wrap up today, I just want you to think about this. Who's the person that you need to have a peace meeting with this week? Who's the person that you need to go and talk to? Who's the person that you know of right now? There is someone in your mind, in your heart, where you go, this is not good. It's not right. It's not the same. There's something that's gone on. And whatever it is that you know of, God wants you to have a conversation with that person. 
And I, right, I know right now what the enemy's saying is don't do it. It's going to be hard. You should be afraid. It's not going to go well. He's going to give you the list of things as to why you should not go and have this conversation. And I just want to encourage you. God did not give us a spirit of fear, timidness. He gave us a, fear, a spirit of courage, a spirit of power, a spirit of strength. Blessed are the peacemakers. God's got you. And the world is looking for people to lead the way. You guys, how much relational brokenness have we experienced in the last year as a nation? Just be really honest with you. I'm struggling this Sunday on 4th of July. First time ever. I want to be proud, but my heart breaks for our nation. I'm grieving. And my prayer is that we as the church would see the brokenness and we would rise up. That we would see this as an opportunity to show the world what real relationship looks like. That it's messy, but that we, we run towards the mess. And what that means is not fixing what's broken out there. It starts with fixing us, with me, with you. So who's the person? Who's the person that God's calling you to run to and have a conversation with this week? Would you bow your heads? Just spend time praying as we get ready for communion.